wonderful to be with you this morning. Let's take a uh, take our Bibles and turn to Psalm 27, which is our text for this morning's message. Psalm 27. The Lord is my life and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent, and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent I will sacrifice with, with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desires of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. This is the word of God. It's a great pleasure to be with you this morning and to worship with you and to share God's word with you, especially at the invitation of your pastor and my friend Chris Dunaway. Chris and Jamie and I got to be friends along with my wife and our congregation in Hamilton, Massachusetts during his seminary days. And before I even got to know him, I knew that this was an exceptional young man. You could see the energy, the strength, uh, the joy on his face and in his life, as well as in Jamie's life. Uh, as he was finishing seminary and looking and seeking what God had for him next, uh, he and I were frequently in conversation. And before I ever came up to this church, uh, I was talking with him about a Middle Street Baptist Church in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Before he accepted the call, I believe, or perhaps after he accepted the call and before he had begun his ministry, he was over at my house one day because he had a meeting coming up with your church leadership, and he asked for my advice. And I said, Chris, make sure you standardize your expectations. Try to understand what does the church need? What does the church want? What is their recent history? What are their dreams for the future? Let them know your dreams. Let them know your story. Let them know your vision. Let them know of your gifts. Let them know of your plans and your priorities. I said, people are not happy or unhappy because of what has happened. They're happy or unhappy, satisfied or dissatisfied because of the way their expectations are met or unmet. And so he said, okay, standardize expectations. And it seems as though it's turned out quite well because you're all still here even when he's not. And we've just seen him and you have given him an opportunity to go away and rest. 
But the thing that you are seeking, the thing that he is seeking is what does God have for us? What is his plan for us as a church? What is our role in Portsmouth, New Hampshire today? As we come to this psalm this morning, which is one of my favorite passages of scripture, in all of the Bible, we see the great expectation, the great desire of the great king, the great leader, one of the heroes of our faith, David, when he said, this only do I ask, this one thing I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon his beauty. I think of the words of Jesus, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit that remains. I think of the words of the apostle Paul, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection becoming like him in his sufferings, so that I may also know the reality, the hope in his death and in his life. What is your expectation this morning of what God might do to us, of what God might speak to us this morning? I hope we come with a strong sense of desire. And so I want to look at this uh, psalm and we, we reflect with you upon four dimensions of it. And I also want to share with you something that the psalm is new and powerful to me this morning. Um, I, I saw the, the uh, music leaders look at each other as we, after we sang the first hymn. I didn't bring all my bulletin, so let me get it so I can read to you the last verse that we did not sing. What happened, ladies? <laughs> we won't dock your pay. Actually, I have nothing to do with your pay, but I hope they don't dock your pay. But this is the last verse. How do we miss this? Okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean to call you out or, or anything. That's not a nice thing to do as a guest minister, but it's on the inside page. And so it, it seems as though the, the hymn is there on the first, first page. But the, the last hymn, On that day when freed from sinning, I shall see thy lovely face, full arrayed in blood-washed linen. How I'll sing thy sovereign grace. Come, my Lord, come, my Lord no longer tarry. Bring thy promises to pass. For I know thy power will keep me till I'm home with thee at last. Um, I want to just share with you something because uh, it's a great joy to me and uh, also to my wife to experience the reality of the message that we preach. Just as I was finishing getting ready this morning, I was actually tying my tie, trying to tie my tie to get a good knot. And all of a sudden, I heard huge wailing and sobs from my wife in the, in the, in the bedroom. And I knew immediately her mother died. Uh, her mother was, was, was 94 years old, had been longing to be home. We made two trips to Atlanta recently, and I went out, and she was uh, by the bed weeping. And I said, your mother died. I knew that that's what had happened. And so I comforted her. We hugged her while we talked, and I said, you love her. You were a wonderful daughter. Uh, she loved you. You were a, a blessed child. And then she stopped and she said, she's with Jesus. And I said, do you want me to stay? And she said, no, go. I don't want you to be late. Sorry, I was 10 minutes late because I was with my wife. And then she took the phone to call one of her older sisters who lives near her mother, one of seven siblings. And um, I, just before I left, I looked in the living room and she was talking to her sister on the phone and they were laughing. And when I looked at her, she went like this. And I thought, that's the reality of our life. The depth of sorrow 
that we experience in life, and no greater sorrow than losing the love, but also the hope. It's going to be okay. And so when, when the psalmist says, this one thing I seek, this one thing I ask, that I might dwell in your presence all the days of my life, to gaze upon your beauty. Now that, that doesn't mean that we're monks who sit in the sanctuary 24-7. But the reality is we live our life in His presence. We're always aware that He is with us and that He is God. We know that we experience great difficulties in life. We also have the assurance that we also will know the reality that David speaks of here at the end. Be patient and wait for the Lord. I know I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I don't know you. I don't know. I've met a few of you, so I've met, I know some of your names. I don't know a lot about your stories. Uh, I know that you must be people who love God. You must be people who love the, uh, this church because here you are on a beautiful Sunday morning in the middle of the summer, and you are in the house of the Lord, as it, I'm assuming must be your custom. But I know life, and I know humanity, I know the church well enough, that all of us are dealing with something, both in terms of hopes and dreams, but we're also dealing with stuff in our life. Because this life is an admixture of these two realities to which I have referred. And so I go so often to this, this, this psalm. And uh, scholars think that it could have been, that nobody knows for sure, of course, when David wrote this, but if you think about David's life and think of his experience before he became king, when he was God's anointed, but Saul was still the, the king. There were times there was great rivalry, and of course, interestingly, the son of the king, Saul, Jonathan was, was David's best friend. And there were times when they were looking, they were, they were, David was being hunted, and Saul wanted to kill him. And so we have the sense that, that here is David, who's a young man, uh, the youngest of, of, of his brothers, the youngest of his father's sons. Whether it was before he became the king, or at any point in his life, he could have written this at any time. And I'm sure he sung it, would, would sing it and reflect upon it many times in his life. So we know that it's written to him, written by him, in a time of difficulty, not just difficulty, but a time when he actually uh, fears for his life. This psalm also gives me great hope, because though David was also, we know from the scriptures, a handsome man who was a tall man, a favored person, the one chosen to be the king, and the greatest king in the United Kingdom of, of Israel, we also know that he was a profoundly sinful man. So when I think of the fact that this person who had it all fell into sin, was actually responsible for the murder of the husband of the woman with whom he was having an affair, Bathsheba, that somehow or other God took him back. And so the, both the, the power of God and the profound grace, forgiveness of God are seen in this man's life. So much so that it could be said of David, he was a man after God's own heart. So much also that in the book of Acts, the 13th chapter, we read that David fulfilled the purposes of God in his generation, and then he died. That's my desire, not only to, to be in his presence, to gaze upon his beauty, but also to fill, fulfill his purposes. And so in the years that I have had and the years that I have left, 
And I have no idea how many that there, there are, but I do ask the Lord to help me to number my days aright that I, that I might serve Him. Okay. In the first, first three verses, let's just take a look at these a little more carefully. The Lord is my life and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Now, <laughs> you may not be uh, pursued by an army, but there will be times when you feel like the, the, the forces are alive against me, and you're facing a great difficulty. Then verse 3, though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. I was a missionary in Japan for 20 years, along with my wife, Jeannie. And there we had three children, and we raised three children. Um, I have happy memories of, of those, those years. But when I think back about some of the experiences we had, I also remember some of the challenges. Being a missionary in a country like Japan that is so indifferent to the gospel is not an easy task. There were so many times when I felt that we were wasting our lives. There were many times when I felt that this was, a, 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 I knew that, that was where, where God had us. But I was always reminded of the promise that Jesus spoke to his disciples when he said, Therefore, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always. This is what Moses spoke to, to, to Joshua. Be strong and courageous, because you will be giving with armies, Moses knew. Do not turn to the left or to the right, for the Lord your God is with you. So we know that we can always have confidence in the Lord's strength, the Lord's promises, the Lord's provision, and the Lord's presence. What a wonderful thing to know, that though we no longer have Jesus beside us, we have the Spirit of God in us, and we have the Word of God in our minds and in our hearts. Take strength from that. What is your desire? Are we standardizing our expectations with one another and for one another and for our church? Are we a God-seeking congregation? We want Him. We want to know His power. We want to know His presence. We want to gaze upon His beauty so that we reflect His, his beauty. And then in verses 4 to 6, God desires for us to seek Him for ourselves. I refer to this already two or three times. Let me read one more time. This one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted. Above the enemies who surround me, at his tabernacles, while I sacrifice with shouts of joy, I will sing and make music to the Lord. It's interesting, isn't it, that um, he ends here with, with music, with expressions of joy, with expressions of worship. And this is the reality when we discipline ourselves to think about the truths upon which our lives are built 
and the truths that surround us. It was mentioned that much of my life these days is spent in mentoring and encouraging younger men and women who are ministry. I refer to myself as a Sherpa. Uh, having been involved in ministry and involved in ministry leadership, I have some idea of how challenging it can be to climb mountains on which we find ourselves. I realize the dangers of, of, of operating at low altitude or, or high altitude. And so I try to help younger men and women uh, climb mountains. And I also try to help my own fingers come down the mountain because that's a more perilous, difficult part of the journey. But when I say to uh, men and women, I would say, if you can learn to develop the habit of joyful, anticipatory perseverance, God will bless your ministry. Just keep going. Let me share with you a discipline that I have. Because as was mentioned for 20 years, not only did I serve as a, as a mission, missionary in Japan, I was also the leader of the mission organization. For 10 years, I led the Wazan movement. I was a great joy of that 10 years, uh, culminating in, in convening a Congress in Cape Town, South Africa in 2010. Uh, that brought together 4,200 leaders from 198 countries around the world to consider the most pressing challenges and opportunities before the church with respect to our mission in the world in the 21st century. The Pew Trust referred to it as the most representative gathering of Christian leaders uh, in history. But it was a huge challenge uh, to get from concept to reality and then to lead from the moment into the movement of how the church works together to serve this <coughs> mission. I was traveling continually. Um, I was, had the challenge of building a team, of, of raising money, and trying to get the various elements of the church to work together. There would be so many times at night when I would be traveling and into the long day, and I would just lay down, and as I would put my head in the pillow, I'd just go, oh, God, our health and ages pass, our hope for years to come, be the hour of ends in my eternal home. I would sense the weariness in my body, and then I would just begin to hold scripture to myself. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Even youth go weary and tired, young men stumble and fall, but they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, they shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not faint. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My God will supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Be anxious in nothing, but in everything. Present your requests, your petitions to God with thanksgiving. And the peace of God that passes all human comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Cast your fears upon him, for he cares for you. And often when I would come to that scripture, as I'd be laying in bed, I'd just go hands up and I'd say, God, you need, you don't need rest. I do. I'm going to bed unemployed. Did you work on this during the night shift? I'll pick it up again in the morning. Because I want to rest in you. There would be times when I would just feel the tension go out of my body. Uh, I would feel my heart and my mind calm, the peace that passes all human comprehension. God desires that we seek Him. So in the time of difficulty, your default um, mode is this one thing I ask, this one thing I seek. Seek God in His presence. 
And the wonderful thing, as is always the case when there is a, uh, an imperative in Scripture, it's always followed with a promise, a command and a promise. And this is what we read in verses 8 through 12. My heart says, if you seek his face, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger, for you have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior. Though my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desires of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breaking out, breaking out, breathing out of violence. Know that Paul also experienced the challenges of ministry. We also know that Paul can say, The one who called you was faithful, and he will do it. I love 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Um, when Paul begins and ends the chapter by saying, Therefore, we do not lose heart. And so, if he, if he says that, there must be the sense of that he must have just been hanging on by his fingernails. I don't know how, how much longer I, I can keep going. But then he said, but when we fix our eyes, not on those things which are seen, but on those things which are unseen, but those things which are seen are temporal. So the stuff that you can see is, 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 is ephemeral. It's temporal. It, it's passing. But we fix our eyes on those things which are unseen, but those things which are unseen are eternal. And then he says, these light and momentary trials are earning for us an eternal Weight of glory that far outweighs them all. And often it seems as though this stuff is weighty and, and, and enduring, and the other stuff seems so high in the sky ephemeral. But the reality is that these are light and momentary trials. That is an eternal weight of glory that far outweighs them all. Now, when I think about that sometimes, I think about Paul says these light and momentary trials. I don't know what you're dealing with. But if you read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, you'll hear Paul make that statement, these light and momentary trials. If you go over to chapter 11, you'll read him talk about, you know, the shipwrecks, the beatings, the imprisonments, the, the snake bites, the abandonments. And I thought, if that's a light and momentary bad day, if that's a light and momentary for the Apostle Paul, what would a bad day look like for him? Well, it's not light and momentary, momentary necessarily, but in comparison to what is being attained for us, God will never forsake us. He is always with us. And then finally, the last two verses, God can be trusted. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Now, um, when I talked with Chris before he came up here a few years ago, I encouraged him with all that I, I, I knew. And occasionally, uh, regularly I, I pray for him, but occasionally I will call him. And the reason that I'm here today is a few weeks ago, maybe a few months ago, I don't remember exactly, but on a Saturday afternoon, he came to my mom. Oftentimes on Saturday afternoon, I think about young men in particular that are pastors, uh, women as well, but in many, in many cases, those that are preaching on Sunday, the majority of them are men. And I, and I think about those young men that I knew when they were seminary students, and I wonder, how are they doing? I know where they are, but how are things going in the church that they're serving, whether it's here in New England or on the West Coast, or the Midwest, or the Southeast, or some part around the world where I will call them? 
And so I called Chris on that Saturday afternoon and went to answering and I just said, hello, uh, this is the president and founder of the Chris Dunaway Family Club. I just want you to know that I'm thinking of you and praying for you. And trust God, bless you, and bless your church as you bring God's word to them tomorrow. And now often I will say to them, trust in the Lord, wait for him. Because I know that a pastor is always dealing with some particular challenge uh, in, in, in a church, whatever it may be. If the shepherd cares for the flock, those of us who have homes, we know there's always something needs to be done in a house, right? And those who shepherd uh, God's people, there's always a challenge, but you realize that God is with you. I trust that you will be with God's desires, with the desires of God's people, with the teaching of God's word. I pray that God will, will lead you into a greater alignment and a more fruitful partnership with your pastor, uh, Chris, who I love, and I encourage you to pray for him while he and Jamie are away. That it'll be a time of replenishment and renewal and, and birthing of, of new dreams and, and new desires that God may take you higher and further in the year to come. And I know that he's also praying for you, that you will be the people that God wants for you to be. I pray that there will be a radiance in your life because when people are in the presence of the Lord, they reflect His glory. So may God use you, may He bless you, may you be able to say with David, this one thing I ask, this one thing I see, that He dwell in your house forever to gaze upon your beauty. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your people. I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for men and women who have served you here uh, for generations and generations. Lord, I pray that for each man and woman who is here this morning, for each person who is watching on the live stream, that they will know the joy and the reality of your presence. And that in these weeks of the summer, when we are resting, we're looking backwards, remembering what we've been through, we're thinking about a school year and a work year ahead. Father, I pray that we will be to the world an example of what it means to know you and to love you and to make you know. I pray this in Jesus' name.